I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Nearly time to begin the Sunshine Devil. I'm getting on a yeah. plane tomorrow to go to Indian Wells. You're going, getting on a plane Friday to come in hot to Indian Wells. I'm coming in hot. Mm. You're always coming in hot. That's kind of your whole thing. Apparently. <laughs> um, uh, I have a lot of questions for you about Indian Wells because anybody who follows tennis like I do and you do knows that this is a huge tournament. But we have some incredible, incredible things to talk about uh, that just happened in the last week that cannot be ignored. I'm going to start nope. with Tommy Paul getting to the finals in Acapulco and his match against Taylor Fritz, a contender for best match of the year. 100%. 100% a contender for most dramatic match of the year. Three Over three and a half hours to play best of three is just absolutely incredible and you know like our great friend Andrea Pekovic who can we say was fantastic on the commentary um all week uh, her and Mark Knowles Mark Knowles obviously a former player himself so it was so nice to see and hear two really knowledgeable people just dissect uh, matches the way they did but I love that uh, Andrea I think she put it best when she said Mark, this is like a Greek tragedy. And then later on in the match, um, spoke about the Greek tragedy. And then at the end of the match, towards the end of the match, when Taylor Fritz was throwing up and Tommy Paul was cramping and it was all going on, she said, you know, remember what I said about the Greek tragedy? And you know what happens in Greek tragedies, Mark? Everyone dies. And it really felt like <laughs> someone was going to, they were both going to go down in that match um, before they were going to lose. So it was an amazing match between two great guys and two really good friends. Um, and you can see it on the two of them when they shook hands. Um, you know, Taylor's face was just, it's an incredible effort from Tommy Paul. I mean, he probably should have won that match in straight sets. And then it ended up going the length again. No one thought he had a chance in the third set, including me. So it just shows you how well he's, you know, handling these big moments and these big matches now. And Taylor Fritz, obviously, you know, one of the best players in the world, being ranked where he is now at five. Um, it was an, an amazing effort. And then I got to give props to Alex Dimonor, who ended up winning the tournament. Demon. Because, you know, yes, Tommy Paul played three and a half hours, finished at like, you know, whatever, 1230 at night. Uh, Dimonor had to play for two hours after that match. So he finished at like 330 in the morning 
and then had to recover to come back the next day himself where he beat Rune in the semifinals, which is an incredible effort after losing the first set. So both guys went into the final and you just thought, well, one's had really not a lot of sleep. The other one is, who knows physically how he's feeling, um, but they both came out ready to play in the final and it was a it was another unbelievable, unbelievable match. I mean, Tommy, you thought he's going to win and then Demon R just dug in like he does, the demon. Um, so it was an amazing week. And as we said, let's put a combined event in Acapulco. Please. I think we should just take Miami and put it in Acapulco. Miami is hot garbage. I just want to reemphasize it used to be great. Now it's terrible. Tournaments are great when they are put into the middle of cities where you can access them, where you can walk to them, where you can go and get a taco, a margarita, maybe a paloma, and then walk into the grounds and walk out. And you're right there in the beating heart of a place. And it feels like a place. You know what Miami feels like? A Costco parking lot. And it's apparently plays that way because we've been hearing now for the last couple of years that the tournament is sinking into the swamps. So IMG, you guys got to do better. The tournament has become a total travesty. It's disconnected from the city of Miami. You can't go and hang out in South Beach, have your, you know, Wynwood art experience, do some cool relaxation in Coconut Grove and, you know, Key Biscayne, and then drive an hour and a half to the northern suburbs to watch tennis. That's garbage. Move it to Acapulco. I could not agree more. You had something really funny to say when we had a little hit yesterday. Um, just to, to stay on that Tommy Paul uh, Taylor Fritz match for a second, there was a part, I think it was five all, it might've been six, five in the third set where Taylor Fritz goes back. He's about to serve, but he's really, really not feeling but good. He starts looking green <laughs> and anybody who's ever felt ill on a tennis court, which has definitely included me. Oh, oh it doesn't even need to be on a tennis court. You're just like, well, oh, no, he's going to throw up. You're like, uh Oh, uh Oh, Oh God, it's coming. He's like sort of burping and his face is, you know, kudos to him. Kudos, two things. Number one, he made it to the sidelines, which you don't always make it to the sidelines. So good job, Taylor. And then you had something really interesting to say about the tennis channel camera work. Yeah, I uh, said uh, it was kudos to the cameraman, uh, to the director for not keeping it on him when he threw up because we've seen that. No, we don't need to see it. We've all thrown up. It's not pleasant. It's not good. The umpire, of course, they went to the umpire and the umpire was like, bucket, bucket. There's a bucket. Like she's pointing to where there was obviously a bucket for you know, use cans or, or whatever it was. And, and, and he grabbed that. And, but the camera, they, they went off of him. Yeah, it was respectful. Up, it was nice. Great. We don't need to see him boot. And also nah. the umpire who was already out of her chair grabbed the bucket and like immediately gave it to the, to the tournament staff. So I felt like it was really actually well handled considering the fact that, uh, <laughs> you know, it was mass carnage on the court. Um, yeah, but I couldn't believe that he didn't take a swig of water or Gatorade or something. Like, what are you thinking, mate? You just threw up. Like we've all thrown up. It's dry mouth. Like, Oh God, like wash that crap down like, i mean the, oh, ma God, the was match was over about five minutes later and so when they yeah. were hugging at the net i kept thinking oh god i bet he spells like barf <laughs> <laughs> it's okay tommy didn't care at that point he was just ready to get off the court he himself. was just happy to be I mean, alive taylor couldn't even get up uh, uh, out of his chair to leave the court he was like can i just stay here you know do the interview it's cool i'll just like leave me here i'm good that's the kind of match when you watch it not only because of the temperature and they were sweating a ton because acapulco is obviously a seaside town so it's pretty humid um but just given as you said the three and a half hours plus runtime that's the kind of match where tournament staff has ivs ready people are getting plugged with saline after that what's it look yeah. like just from your experience what happens after that? Like you, you get on a table and you just get pumped full of fluids and then are you eating much? Like how do you kind of recover from that level of 
exhaustion and dehydration. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is, yeah, you get a drip in like immediately to to replenish all the, you know, the, the liquid that you've lost basically. Um, and yeah, trying to eat bananas and trying to eat whatever you can, basically. I mean, at that point, you don't really feel like eating. Um, even, even if you're sort of hungry after a match, it's like a weird feeling when you finish a match. It's like you don't really want to eat. Um, but you know you have to eat, particularly like get some potassium back in you. And so I think bananas and anything, really dried pasta, whatever you can put down your throat at that point, it's really important to replenish all of the nutrients that you've literally just lost in three and a half hours. So, you know, as I said, amazing tournament, incredible um, effort from Alex Dimonor. He wins his biggest title, ATP 500. He's won a couple of 250s. And he always wins in really hot human conditions, obviously growing up in Australia, he, he he just knows how to handle those conditions. Um, and he looked great. He looked great he looked right great. to the end. He also, it should be noted, is of Spanish descent. He's got a little Spanish blood in him. Maybe that's uh, that's part of it. But he looks speedy as always. But yeah, he looked oh. completely comfortable in that environment. I, lo- I like that. He's like, you know, he's in it for the battle, which it makes him really fun to watch. Yeah, I know. Tremendous respect for one another as well. Like you heard it in the speeches that they both made, that they both really respect each other because they're two really, two of the hardest working players. I mean, you see the speed of Tommy Paul and Alex Dimonor and they just last forever. And and as as noted, I think both of them would go down as two of the harder working players on tour. So it was great, great to see. They're the anti-Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> yeah, hard workers, head down, positive, no drama. Let's. Um... No, I don't want to. I don't think the Knicks not doesn't work hard. But we, we, when we're talking about what someone does in the gym and off the court and on the court, yeah, probably. You know, Nick has the talent, right? He has the big weapons. He doesn't have to do that work. But if he did, he could win a slam. If he did, let's um let's go north of the border for a new tournament this year that I was really really pumped to um to see even though they did not take my suggestion to rename it the queso cup which is austin's 250 uh austin is a great place to hang out it's a great place to play i've played a ton of tennis in austin because we used to go and get our asses absolutely handed to us every year there uh by the texas longhorns and you know they had fans with face paint we didn't i won like one match one time and that was felt like you know i'd won wimbledon um they had a 250 for the wta uh this year um austin famous for its queso hence the queso cup you can try that again next year guys if you have it marta kostiak uh who was a former podcast guest from ukraine looking sharp in her wilson kit won the tournament what a great effort from her that feels like a breakthrough huge i mean to win your first wta title is in of itself a big deal right um and you know she's a player that i've talked about quite a bit on my show on my tv show and also on the pod and as you said we've had her on the on the podcast um you know you can't quantify how much the difficulties that these ukrainian players are facing not being able to go home not being able to practice at home they're 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 literally nomad they're living a no very I mean, tennis players are used to living nomadic life but this is beyond the pale of nomadic life um, and so, you know, an amazing effort to make it through the final. She's had this talent. She's been talked about for a long time. She made the round of 16s as a 15-year-old at the Australian Open. Um, and she's been learning to deal with the pressure of the expectation, I think, on her shoulders. She hits the sh- absolute living daylights out of the ball. Um, just having some un- some issues with some serving, including hitting an underarm serve at five ball in the second set <laughs> to win the game. Um, but she's a player that can just really play well and you know I spoke to her at the Australian Open and I said you realize how good a player you are right like you have to understand that about your ability and um, you know I'm just really really happy that she ended up getting that 
win and and of course she has to play against the russian in the final like what are the chances you know um so not <laughs> yeah. not only did did it add to her stress level of wanting to win the tournament badly but knowing you're playing against an, a russian like oh like that was just so uncomfortable in some respects i mean look gucheva can't do anything about the war so i felt and she's a really nice girl um very quiet sort of but there, there looked at, there was a bit of an understanding, I think, between the two of them because Marta Kostuk has talked about the fact that she will not shake the hand of a Russian player, which you can understand. So that was sort of said a year ago that that was going to be the case. Any Russian or Belarusian player, she would not shake their hand. So I think Kucheva went into the final knowing, win or lose, that was going to happen. I think for me, hearing, as we talked a little bit about yesterday, from somebody who's been in the game for a minute, as you noted, she made an incredible run as a teen, a couple really, really high watermarks, and then has kind of hung around and maybe some might say has plateaued. Now for the past two years, um, as she's sort of aged into the field in the past year, obviously as her country has been under attack from an aggressor next door, um, she has hung in there and hung around and played good matches and had some good results, but really having a breakthrough, especially when you're young and you've kind of maybe feel like you've leveled out. It sounds really meaningful to hear maybe from somebody like you or somebody who's been around the game for a little bit, like, Hey, you're capable of more. You're capable of getting to that next level. And it seems like, you know, I don't want to give you all the credit for her winning a title, No, but I definitely (laughs) like, it doesn't, it, it seems like all of these players are so elite that, a good amount of it has to be belief, right? Belief that there's still oh, yeah. more, more ceiling to achieve. Yeah, and I mean, I'll give her her coach, her new coach, who was with Ostapenko last year, and I thought did a great job with Ostapenko because anyone who can coach Ostapenko for that amount of time and have good results is saying something because she's uh, not the easiest to deal with as a as a as a coach. And the reason I can say that is because I know somebody who coached her, <laughs> but um, but. I think he's done a really great job. He's a super quiet guy. He's very positive. He's just very chill. And I think he's done a great job with getting her to that point. So I give him all the credit in the world. Um, And yeah, I just think that sometimes you just need some people that you respect to tell you how good you could potentially, you should be. Um, And I don't know. I don't know if she heard that from me, but I just think that she's, um, you know, tremendous player. I think she can be a top 10 player. There's no doubt about it. And I think she's on her way to doing that because winning that tournament will make a huge difference. So we'll see how she can back it up now in Indian Wells and Miami. She plays great on hard court. So uh, we'll see where she goes. Um, Yeah. So it was, it was a good week for the tournament. I think he's very happy with the outcome. They had a great crowd for the semis and finals. Um, So hopefully it's a tournament that will keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger because, you know, Dallas and, Austin and all these places in Texas, they get, they have a lot of tennis fans. So hopefully they can keep growing that tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's nice year round. There's tons of great facilities. Like for me, watching the WTA put the tournament for the year end in Dallas was such a miss. Like Austin's right there. Like there's a great city that people love to go to where there's some more local flavor. It's not just kind of like a land of strip malls. And again, it's like a tourist destination. So it doesn't need exactly. to be exactly brain surgery. They need to think here. about that. Like they don't put it in a place people it. want to go, like right. Acapulco or Austin or Nashville or Palm Springs or right. New York or even Chicago, like places that people go, hey, let's go there for the week. This will be cool. Yeah, I think that's the way that people make plans. Obviously, you're going to get your tennis fanatics who don't mind buying a plane ticket to Cincinnati, but that's not me. And I'm a tennis fanatic. Like, I'm just not going to go there. I'm sorry. There's nothing that would bring me to go visit there. 
But you know what? I'd go to Marrakesh tomorrow. I would go to a tournament in New Orleans. I would go to a tournament um, easily south of the border. You pick any Mexican city, you pick a ton of really cool, as you noted, regional places that have a local flavor that are tourism draws already. There's way more for me yeah. to do in Portland, uh, Maine or Oregon, frankly, than there is in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that's not a slight. It's just you have to think and it's about not things Cincinnati. experience. Exactly. It's not Cincinnati. Okay. Exactly. Let's just it's, get this straight. It is Mason. It is Mason. It is 30 minutes from downtown Cincinnati. So it's even worse. And listen, I don't want to give Cincinnati shit because, you know, they've got a lot of prize money and da 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 da. And, you know, uh, Mr. Navarro, who is I love and he's a tremendously great asset for tennis. Ben Navarro, but eh, take it out of Mason, put it somewhere where it's like a destination place that people want to actually go to. For sure. <laughs> anyway. I mean, and listen, Ben Navarro San Diego. All, also owns Charleston and has done such a fantastic job with that tournament, really investing in it. His tournament director, Bob Moran, and their assistant tournament but director. It's Charleston. People yeah, want to go to Charleston. My point is they should and can learn lessons from what Charleston has experienced. And listen, Ben Navarro just bought that tournament. We'll see what he does with it. I hope he does something really ambitious, which is turn it into either a destination by really working with the city of Mason, I guess, and making it a year round or, or thinking about moving it somewhere else. Cause it's not, it's not good enough right now. And that's uh, a real opportunity to do better on one of America's home tournaments before we go and look towards Indian Wells um, just really quickly, Donna Vekic had a really yes. great result this week, winning in Monterey, beating Caroline Garcia, who's had a great year so far. Um, that was a real, like, gunslinger type match. Like, that was fun fun to watch, and it felt like the level was quite high. I'm a little concerned about Caroline not being able to close out matches, but, you know, to Donna's credit, she's been playing better and better and, you know, moving better and better. And so it's nice to see her, um, you know, at the at the business end of a tournament getting it done. She was always going to get back. You know, this is a player, Donna Vekic, that, you know, has been a great player. Talk about being a great player at 15. Has been been around for 10 years on the tour. And, you look, she had a terrible injury. She had, you know, her knee issues and, you know, coming back was taking a lot of time. And physically, she knew that she had to get in better shape. You know, we had the conversation even in England last year where, I was really upfront with her. I was like, what do you feel like you have to do? And she's like, she was honest. I mean, unbelievably honest. She just said, Renee, I got to lose weight. And I said, that's going to come with time. You haven't been able to do the work. You haven't been able to do the fitness work off the court or even on the court to get you to that place of being like physically where you need to be, because it's just going to take time for you to feel like you can do the training. And she did that. You know, it took time. Every time I saw her last year, she was in the gym. She was riding the bike. She was running. She was eating well. She was doing everything right last year. And it was only going to be a matter of time because her hitting the tennis ball has never been an issue. You know, she played against Sam Stoser a couple of times in doubles and, you know, I had conversations with her. I'm like, you're hitting the ball unbelievable. It's just, you're just not quite getting there with your movement but that will come once you lose that weight and you get into that fitness level that you know you can be at. And she she started doing that at the end of last year. I mean, you could just see every week I saw him like looking good, looking good. And she knew it. She just kept putting the work in and putting the work in. And so, and we've seen it. She's one of the best ball strikers in the game. She's got a great serve. She just, she doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. And we saw that over the weekend. I mean, Garcia had umpteen opportunities to break her in the third set and couldn't get it done because Donna, she goes for it. She does not 
she's not shy with her ball striking. And so a great effort um, on her on her part, getting coached by Pam Shriver now. So, you know, women can coach, guys. Hey, everyone. But over there in the, you know, in the coaches, in, in, the, in the players and the, and the agents, the agents, like recognize that ex-players can actually add that benefit of having been there and know what it feels like. And so for me, I think there's more and more opportunities for ex-players to get involved with players these days. We see it all the way, all the time on the men's tour, but no woman wants to do it. And, you know, over the last few years with, you know, I consider myself um, and Conchita Martinez and now Pam, like we're ex-players that know what it feels like to be out there and we can make a difference mentally. I think it comes down, okay, X's and O's are one thing and how to hit a forehand and backhand and serve and movement to the net and all that. We, we can help you with that. But I think if anything, it's about the mental side of making you feel like you can be better than you even think you are. Completely right. I also think, you know, there's something really, as we just noted with Marta Kostiak, there's something really powerful about belief or like you were saying with Donna Bekic, like belief that she can get back, belief that she deserves yeah. to be at the highest level. And after a really serious amount of time spent away from the game with injuries that she can believe in herself enough to, yeah. to be pointed in the right direction. I do want to say something a little bit gendered and um, if you're one of these men who is good about this, then just consider yourself an ally. But uh, in my experience, male coaches and female coaches are quite different in the way they motivate players. They're quite different in the way that they talk to players. And maybe that's less true at the pro level, but certainly college coaches, my college coach was an absolute ass clown. He was a man who couldn't beat half of the women on the team. That was pretty common for D1. What was um, his name again? Blake, Blake, come at me, Blake. Um, you know, uh, Unfortunately, his story was not was was not was pretty similar to a lot of other D1 coaches. Like a lot of men are uh, motivating by fear or anger. And, you know, I hope that that's changed. But from what I've seen, I don't know that it has changed enough to my liking. And I think there's really something amazing about if not working with a woman exclusively, then having a woman on your team, because the vibes, especially for a female player, have got to be positive um in my experience women are much 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 better motivated when they are supported when they feel like they have a team that believes in them and to be clear there are plenty of men who do this and do it well darren cahill jumps out as an immediate example he's so clearly positive he's so clearly in support of his player he's so clearly creating an environment where they can thrive um but i do think like the sort of adversarial coaching style is just really really um not helpful and i would love to see as you said a lot of former female players getting into the coaching game because we've seen it succeed and it's awesome to see. And nothing's more fun than seeing a legend in the box and being like, Oh, look, there's Lindsay Davenport who's coaching uh, Madison Pease. Oh, look, here's, you know, we're going to go to uh, Amelie Maresma who's coaching, you know, Luca Pui or, or Andy Murray. And I think to me, it just adds such a fun layer uh, for the spectator as well. So that's yeah, like what I want to call out. Um, should we talk about Indy Wells? Oh, well, we, I just want to also add in, we can't forget about Medvedev winning another tournament after beating, you know, his good friend, Rublev. They had a funny exchange at the net and obviously in the post-match with the trophy. And and uh, it was really cute to see Rublev like being like, he didn't, like Medvedev didn't get a lot of help from the Russian Tennis Federation and he had to do it hard. And there's just a massive respect there between the two of them because Medvedev just killed him, 6-2, 6-2. But 
Um, Got to give so much credit to Medvedev. He's really struggled over the last 12 months, you know, getting that number one ranking. And everyone thought he was going to be the guy to take out Novak and Rafa. And he was going to win the Australian Open after winning the US Open. And I think after losing that match against Rafa, he really struggled mentally and physically and everything. Struggled last year. Um, so it's really nice because I really like him. I really like Medvedev. I think he's great for the sport. He's funny. He's he's cool. He's just chill. He's like whatever. You know, you see him and he's hi, how's it going? You know, he just he's just a, I just really, really like him. And I think it's great to see him back at the top because when he's playing well, oh my God, is he hard to beat. So a double thumbs up for Medvedev. Great week for for again for Rublev, who's just always there. He's always at the end. Just got to get, you know, he needs a little mental help. <laughs> Let's be basic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I also love him. He's got a great personality. And so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pumped to see those guys doing well and we'll see how they go um, in Indian Wells. But Medvedev, absolutely, he's got to go in as the favourite. Even though Alcaraz is in it, I think that Medvedev's probably the favourite to win Indian Wells. But we'll see. It's great. I mean, the thing about Indian Wells is if you can win that, you can win anything. Like, we've seen... Grand Slam champions on their way to winning their first trophy lift the trophy out in the desert. And so for me, it'll be really, really fun to see how, uh, you know, some of the players who've been perhaps still in Europe, not necessarily having shifted to the outdoors, maybe, maybe handle the, the desert heat playing out there is really weird. The air is incredibly dry, but the courts are really slow. So it's sort of a fun, like kind of mix where it's like, it's not, it's not a fast court, but it's, but it's, you feel like you're choking every time you play out there. At least me, at least I do. You know, you know what I want to say? Uh, we, we, we failed to also got to give uh, Nicholas Jerry, who won the tournament in Chile in front of his home crowd. I mean, that was incredible. The that crowd was, was absolutely bonkers. Um, but, you know, I, I want to put a little side money on him doing well at Wimbledon because I think he's got a great game for grass, even though he won on, clay like he just he loves to come into the net he serves and volleys he's big flat hitter of the ball so watch out for him to do well at Wimbledon um this year but what a great story that was fighting back and winning that second set against Echeverry and then you know closing out the match it was incredible to watch um a Chilean win in Chile um so massive congratulations to him as well um so it's, it was an awesome week of tennis I gotta tell you it's just getting us revved up for the for the big two sunshine double and obviously going into the your favorite season the clay court season bring on the clay court season i'm really excited about it although you know like going out to indian wells every year is just such a treat it's such a fun experience and it to me it's better than the u.s open it is the best tournament in america totally it is such a fun experience you can go out there and really like soak up the amazing desert light the facility is just awesome and again they've made it feel part of the community so you go out there and you're doing all these different things and then obviously watching tennis at a venue that has been really taken care of by the owners and the tournament organizers like it's just a it's a spectacular experience and i think if you're gonna look ahead to your calendar um you know for next year think about it or maybe even this year the jet blues running a regional flight from new york city direct to Palm Springs. Um, For me, I have to say it's hard to disagree that Medvedev is the favorite coming into this tournament, just given how good he has looked, how confident he is playing. Um, And I think he really has like the off pace ball to really take advantage of like a bunch of wacky uh, sort of results. He doesn't need the pace necessarily. Obviously he can handle anything that you throw at him, but I like that he's so unorthodox just in how he plays and his spins and he's fast. Um, Alcaraz, it's tough given his injury, even though he had a pretty good result in uh, Rio a couple weeks ago. It's tough to see him 
taking the trophy home just because I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. That said, it's exciting that he's back in a big way. Um, anybody else on the men's side stand out to you as favorites? Well, I mean, look, you got to look at Cam Norrie. He's won the tournament before. He just beat Alcaraz in the final on clay. Um, he, his fitness level, he knows that he can get through this type of a tournament and win it. Um, Taylor Fritz, obviously, last year's champion. Anytime you've won a tournament, um, when you go back there, you feel really good and you feel like you know how to win the tournament. So I, I would put those two uh, on the side burner, um, doing well. And obviously the Americans, Tommy Paul, we'll see how he does. And Francis Tiafo, they're going to have tremendous support. So we'll see those guys out there. And obviously on the women's side, you've got to look at Iga Sriantek, who's last year's champion as well. The court's perfect for her. The conditions are great for her. Um, and we'll see, you know, Sabalenka, what the hell's happening with Badoza? Like, can she string a couple of matches together without getting injured? The potential that... Bianca Andreescu will play Egan in the third round. So, you know, we've got we've got players like Sophia Kennan playing against, I believe, Sto- um, Sloan, Sloan Stevens, Stevens in the first, in the first round. round. Like, like well, that's just the worst. Um, so, or the so, best. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, yes, it's the best, I guess, in some ways, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's carnage. It's absolute um, carnage. Anytime you have a giant combined tournament that's 128 draw on each side, it's just carnage because the first couple of days, you're just like, who's going to survive out of this? Like, both Sloane Stevens and Sophia Kennan have grand slams, and they're playing, I think they're both unseated, and they're playing in the first round. Like, that's awesome to me. I love that. Um, I can tell you what's happening with Paula Bedosa. She and Sabalenka are touching each other's butts on the practice court. I'm just <laughs> saying, there's a not insubstantial, unsubstantial uh, amount of Twitter that has convinced these two are having some sort of um, romance. Now, Sabalenka posted a picture saying they both have boyfriends, and I'm not here trying to call everyone gay. But I'm just saying, ladies, the water's fine if you want to, you know, come on in. Jump in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I can can say they both have boyfriends, um, and they're both very much uh, like those guys. So I think that they are just really good pals, and they like having a little bit of a laugh. Plus, they know that Jimmy, who took that photo, Jimmy... 48 photography jay jay loves tennis he's the, one of the great guys and he is an amazing photographer and all the players get to use his photos because he's kind of sanctioned by the wta so they all know he's there so they they know that these they're photos are it up. pop up they're hamming it up they love it um they're they're both a lot of fun so listen i'm all for it let's have a bit of fun oh for sure and part of why i like the uh sabalenka bedosa friendship is that they are both they both play better when they're loose and relaxed and fun. And I like very much the idea that, you know, I always like when sports look like they are full of joy and creativity and, you know, Sabalenka is ferocious on court and Paula Bedosa can be pretty intense, but it's really fun to think of these athletes who we get to watch as, you know, essentially big kids who are getting to play a sport and hit a tennis ball across the net at each other. So to me, you know, it's hard to watch the matches where the athletes look like they're playing from, a place of fear or anger like that's just not my vibe and so for me to see them like goof around and having a good time i'm 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 super here here for it and i and i love it i would love to see paula bedosa back it up or you know sabalenka to continue her really great win i think the tour is great when they are both firing and all pistons but hard to discount ega just because it's always you know it's i think at this point yeah. it's kind of her tournament to lose yeah, I mean, obviously, she look, she's at her very best. But, you know, look, Rybakina, Sabalenka, obviously, you know, Kujikova, she's found her form again. So we'll see. Okay, so, Renee, we talked a little bit about the preview. We talked a little bit about um, uh, the the lead-up. From your experience just going out here every year, and then we should wrap it up, because you have a live show to host. What is your favorite part of going out to Indian Walls? What's your favorite sort of Palm Springs, Coachella Valley? Oh, 
yucca desert joshua tree vibe it's just everything i just love it it's so relaxed um it's just the weather's beautiful most of the time sometimes it can get windy and cold and um that that's not fun that, that's not your fun days out there but just the people as well everyone's you know they just love tennis out there um they go and watch all the doubles there's a lot of great singles players that play doubles out there so it's just it you know it was the one of my first big tournaments that I won as a player so I just have so many great memories when it was played at the Hyatt Grand Champions that was before they built the big stadium um I just it's just it's just one it is without question one of one or two or three of the favorite spots on the tour for all the players because the fans are amazing. The crowds are just, I cannot tell you how great they are out there. And it's just a relaxed atmosphere. It's kind of like a it's Australia feel. It just, it's just really, everyone loves it. The hotels yeah. are nice. It's just a great place to go. Yeah, for me, yeah. it's the hiking in the desert, getting to go out to Joshua Tree, having like a steak at Mr. Lyons. You know, it's just all the stuff, the mid-century modern homes. And then you said it, like, Obviously, this tournament generates so much money. Larry Ellison, the owner, has put in so much money. There's just a tremendous amount of investment, but it doesn't feel like it only benefits the corporate business sort of uh, account holders who are going to get the courtside seats but then not show up to the matches. People who are out there really want to be there. The practice courts are accessible, free, and packed. And, you know, you're in the stadium court or you're out on court, you know, 59 and everybody's pretty excited to be there to watch tennis and to support the fans and it's international. So to me, that's what tennis should be. It should be. Yeah. Of course we've got the bold face names. Of course we have the high end stuff. You get the no, the Nobu and the champagne toasts, but you also have like, just like a really cool, fun circus kind of vibe where people feel like they can step into it. And it doesn't mean that they have to, you know, have a, a, a direct line to, you know, Jamie diamond, at Chase Bank to get them a corporate seat. You know what I mean? That to me is really cool. It's a cool, it's a cool double play to pull that off. So I can't say enough about it. We're going to have some very special content from the tournament. You and I are going to be doing a lot of interviews, talks, chats, hangs on the ground. Racket has built a little immersive site. So if you're out there, come by our Racket come say hi. kiosk. Come say hi. Renee will be there this weekend. I'll be there starting Thursday. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the flight there and back in 48 hours, but <laughs> I definitely am looking forward to getting out there and seeing some old friends. Um, obviously not traveling as much as I used to. Um, I don't get to see some of my good friends, so it'll be nice to see them out there. Um, but anyway, everybody, I hope you enjoy uh, hope you enjoyed the pod, first of all. And second of all, enjoy the next week or two. We will oh. be we will we will have it all for you. Um Maybe we'll get the old fashion correspondent, Andrea Pekovic, uh, to come and give us a, you know, tell us how her TV experience was uh, now that she's a a full-time commentator by the looks of it, um, who no one was better. Um, So anyway, all right. So Caitlin, thanks, mate. I got to go get ready for my show. So everybody, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.